Well, good morning, church. Like I said earlier, it's good to be together with you. If I've uh, never met you before, like Eddie said, my name's Tim. I'm one of the, the pastors here at Grace. And uh, this morning, uh, we join you together in the second chapter of Thessalonians. That's what we're going to be studying in, in God's Word, uh, lifting us up. And uh, just a little background on this book, as we're still beginning uh, this new book together, uh, this is probably the first letter that Paul wrote to those early churches in the early days of the church following Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so this is probably his first letter that he wrote. And, and we learn in the book of Acts in the Bible that the apostle Paul hated Christians. But we read in Acts 9 that he had an encounter with Jesus Christ that forever changed him, and it changed the course of his life. And so he began out on these missionary journeys. And he took this first journey with Barnabas, and they went to different churches in what's now modern-day Turkey, and, and they returned. And then they were going to head out on a second journey, uh, but he had a disagreement with Barnet, Barnabas. And so they decided to go different directions, and he took Silas and Timothy with him. And Paul traveled at this time to what's now known as modern-day Turkey and, and a lot of modern-day Greece. And he reached this city of Thessalonica, and he spent time with the Thessalonians, uh, but he was only there for a few weeks. We don't know the exact amount of time, but we can tell from the context that it was a very brief period of time that he was with them, but he was forced out because uh, people that disliked the message that he was sharing hated him so much they wanted to kill him, and they started a riot in the city, and so these new Christians that had heard the message of the gospel that he shared with them loved Paul so much that they, they got him out of the city and they asked him to leave because of all the persecution. And because he was with them so little and because he loved them so much, this is why he wrote this letter to them because he wanted to encourage them in their faith to keep pressing on. And as I was reading and studying uh, this letter this week, I wasn't only uh, studying Thess Thessalonians, I, I just read about his missionary journeys, and it got me thinking about all the people that God has sent to me to share the good news of Christ in my life, uh, through my lifetime, and all the people that God sent me to. And I, I got a little choked up as I thought about all those relationships and God's goodness uh, to me through those relationships. And then I started thinking about different trips that I've taken. I mean, to, to step out from where you're at as a missionary and to go somewhere. And I remember one trip that was, was really special was a couple years ago, some pastors invited me, some, some older pastors invited me and some other pastors to this trip they called Pastors on Point. And they invited us to go camping with them for a week up at 11,000 feet in the Rocky Mountains. And you can imagine uh, being in Laredo, that was a, a change for me. And so one of the things that was super important for this trip was they sent us a packing list. And we had to buy all sorts of gear. And I was freaking out. Uh, half the stuff wasn't even at Academy. Uh, I had to go up to San Antonio. I had to go to Austin. And I'm, I'm trying to get all the right gear because, you know, to be in those beautiful but rugged conditions, you need to have equipment that's going to take care of you. And so I remember the very first night we're on this trip uh, where these, these guys wanted to pour into us and mentor us and just spend this week with us. Um, we slept up above the tree line, and we were in this, this little valley right there at a peak, right above the tree line, and you could hear the, the running water around us, and there was, there was frost and little snow on the ground, and we were surrounded by snow-capped mountains. It's going to be a little bit like Laredo tomorrow morning, Okay. We were surrounded by snow-capped mountains, uh, and I remember going to bed that night was the test for this gear. It was the test for our sleeping bags, and the test for the clothes, and the test for, the most important thing, your, your cup for your coffee, right? 
um, for our food. I mean, we had to hike and pack everything up there. We were making our own meals, uh, just living in these tents up here in the mountains. And it was the test, are you going to be able to make it in these beautiful but rugged conditions? And it was that test that revealed if the gear was going to get us through that, that week or not. Well, in, in Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to see this morning is that Paul's motives were also being tested. They were being examined to see if they were pure or not because he was being accused of being disgenuine. Right, And so his motives are going to be tested, and, and, and we're going to see whether his motives were genuine, whether they were true, do they hold up. And so like always, I have a question for you, church, this morning as we dive into God's word. I want to ask you a very personal question, and I want you to think about this. Has your love for someone else ever been questioned? Has anyone else ever questioned your motives, your intentions? And as you think about this question, I was thinking about this, you know, usually the people that question our intentions are the people that are closest to us, that know us the best, that spend the most time with us. Not probably because they hate us, but because they can see through everything and they care more than anyone else that our love is genuine. And so... Has, has anyone ever, have, has, a, has a, a spouse, a significant other, a child, a friend, a family member, a coworker, someone you spend a lot of time with, have they ever questioned your motives? If you're anything like me, uh, when my motives have been questioned, I, I just respond with joy, right? I just, I just respond with such pleasantries. If you're anything like me, I get super defensive, right? Because I, and, and why do we get that way? Why do we get defensive when our motives, when our love is questioned because I believe, and I think we know this from the way that God's wired us to be, that in our hearts, we desire to love others genuinely. We desire to love others faithfully. We desire to love others in truth. And so it hurts us if someone questions if that isn't true. Sometimes we know when our motives are off, but when, it, when we're seeking to do it, it, it hurts us. And so my hope this morning, as we open up Paul's letter, and, and, and we see what he writes, and we see how he was so changed by Jesus Christ that his motives were pure, his motives were genuine, his motives were true. My hope is that as we see this example of how to walk in Jesus Christ, that these scriptures would touch our hearts and they would remind us of how perfectly we're loved by Jesus Christ and that we would be open to any way in our heart that God wants to tweak it just a little bit this morning so that we can love others a little bit more like God. So I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, and uh, the verses are going to be on the screen. You can follow along there, but I'd like to encourage you to, to get your own Bible out and follow along with me so that you can make notes, so that you can circle things, that you can write things down as we go through this passage. Um, but before we jump in, would you guys all just pray together with me that, that God would be the one speaking to us through his word this morning? Dear Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word, Father. God, I was just reminded as I saw this beautiful example this week, Father, of how far short my life comes. And so we come to you this morning not, not looking for uh, self-help or 
motivation, Father. We want to be motivated, Lord, but, but beyond anything else, we come to you realizing that we are broken people. Like Isaiah says, we have unclean lips. And so I pray this morning that we would be in awe of your holiness as we read your word to this early church and to us today. And Father, I pray that you would guide us to be more like your son Jesus, to love more like Jesus, because Lord, we know that your love holds all things together in perfect unity, and it covers over a multitude of sins. And Lord, we all stand here today as sinners, Lord, that need that love to touch our lips so that we can say how holy you are and we can worship you and we can be empowered to, to realize your love for us and to love others in that same way. And so it's with this heart that we come to you this morning asking that you speak to us through your word. And once again, everybody at Grace said, amen. amen. Thank you for praying uh, with me, church. So here we go. Uh, we're going to pick up here, and we're going to read the first 12 verses of chapter 2. And I just want to read through those verses, and then we're going to go back through, and we're going to start to unpack what's being said in each verse, verse by verse. So uh, chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses of God also, also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom in glory. So we read here how Paul summarizes his relationship with the Thessalonians. He tells them how he came to them by the power of God and why he came to them, why he was amongst them. And did you hear it as we read through those verses? What was the message that he brought? Why did he show up? Why did he leave his home and go on this journey? He says it the word four times just in these 12 verses. It was because of the gospel. And I counted 13 other times that his actions were being taken with this group of people, this new group of friends he was making 
to share those words, to share the gospel. That's what, that's what he cared about. That's what made his time and these relationships worth it was simply to share the treasure of Jesus Christ with this group of people. And so that's why he set out amongst them and made disciples amongst them. And this church started forming just through those relationships. So let's break it down and let's, let's see what, what uh, further details he shares about how he cared for them, about how he lived amongst them, about how his life matched his message. So in verse one, he, he tells them that he's coming to them. He says, you brothers knew that we were coming to you was not in vain. And so their changed lives, the fact that, that when he had spent time with them through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he declared the gospel to them. He modeled for them what the gospel was. They, were, they heard the gospel. They received the gospel. Their lives began to change. And, and we read last week that actually this church became a model church for churches in the region around them because their love was, for God was so tangible. And so He's saying that, that my efforts come visit you, this wasn't in vain because I saw God change your lives. And we see, church, the first characteristic that he's talking to us about what it looks like to love genuinely is we go to others. And so who is God calling you to go to today? In your relationships, in your home, in your family, in your workplace, are you going to others or are we passive in conflict, are, do you go, do you seek? Are you, are you looking uh, to make amends? Are you looking to love others? Or do we sit back passive? The first aspect of a genuine love is, is he said, I'm gonna go to these people and I'm gonna show them love. And then in verse two, he shares that you guys know that I'd already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi. While he was with them, he had the opportunity to share with them what had happened to him in just the chapter before, this is all, we're reading in Thessalonians and all this story's unfolding actually in the book of Acts and we're told an account of what's happening. In Acts 17 is when we're told this story of his time in Thessalonica. But in Acts 16, while he was in Philippi, he was beaten there uh, to the point that he could have died and thrown in jail. And he says, even though I was beaten for the gospel and, and almost killed, think about the persecution that possibly you've gone through in your life before, church. Even though he was, he was harassed, he was a persecutor, he said, I'm not going to quit because this love that's inside of me, I have to share it. And he says, even though I have suffered, I came to you, he says, with boldness, verse 2, to declare the gospel to you. And so he had boldness to share it even though he'd been persecuted. So I want to ask you guys, think about our own lives now. Church, have you ever tried to love someone and been rejected? Have you ever sought to bring kindness to someone and, and, and been despised for it? And sometimes we want to give up, right? But what does Paul say? No, don't give up. Keep going. Go with boldness. Because this message that you bring, if it is pure, if it is true, if your motives are right, if they're in Jesus Christ... Don't quit because he is the one that approves your message. He moves along, verse 3, and he says, Our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. And so here's where he starts to get into his motive, right? He was being accused. We can tell just from this context. He was being accused after he left this church that, well, he, you know, he really came into this city with improper motives. He probably just wanted to, to get money from you. Or back then in, in that day, a lot of worship was actually connected to, to sex. And there was a lot of impure things that were happening. And, and, and you know, maybe, maybe he had impure motives in why he did it just for illicit gain in some way. And he's saying, my motives, our appeal, my appeal to you 
It didn't come from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. He came with pure motives. And so looking at that verse, church, I want to ask us, in our relationships, do we approach others the same way? Do we approach with pure motives? I know us as men, we can be wired times with lustfulness. Uh, God says sex is a beautiful, wonderful thing in the balance of marriage, but we live in a world that celebrates lustfulness. And, and we can be tempted to, to go to females sometimes, and we don't really love them. We just want to use them, right? And that's why relationships break down, because sex is meant to be for marriage, and it's meant to be in a loving relationship where you care for someone, you give yourself to someone. So, so men or women, when we approach each other in relationship as a significant other, are we approaching each other just to use one another, or are we approaching one another truly to care for one another with the right motives. And that's just one illustration, right? But there are so many ways we can approach our human relationships trying to get something from them rather than trying to truly love. But Paul's motive was pure. Verse four, he says in verse four, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. He says he was approved by God. And what he's talking about there is he had been tested by God and approved by God. And how do we become approved by God? We become approved by God by receiving the person of Jesus Christ into our life. There is only one way that we can share God's love, and that's simply to receive God's love. The Bible tells us that all of us are destined for wrath apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But Jesus came into the world so that sinners like you and me can be saved. And if we will accept what he has done for us, he wants to begin a new work in us, a new life in us, so we can walk day in and day out, reading his word, walking with the Christians, growing in hope. And the message of the world is to oppose that hope and that truth. But Paul had received that hope, and so he was approved by God, and he'd begun growing in his character, and God said, Hey, because you have Jesus Christ in you and because I've seen you and I've tested you, I'm sending you out. James 1 tells us that as Christians, we go through trials. But the reason why we go through trials is never to tear us down. The reason we go through trials is to build us up so that we will be tested and approved full of strong character. And the greater the mission that God has for you, the more that he needs to test us, the more that he needs to build up your character. So church, if you're going through trials today, what's our attitude? Sometimes we say, why me, Lord? Why these difficulties? When in fact, the reason why these things are coming our way is because God wants to refine us so that we can be used by him the way that we want to be used. And he wants to use us in our homes, in our workplaces, in our families. When you think of being tested and developed, what do we know about love? Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient. Love is kind. The book of Galatians tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. Church, in your relationships right now, in your motives, is that what marks us? Are we marked? And, and you know right away when you're not walking in the Spirit, when we're not walking in pure motives, when we're impatient, when we're unkind, when we're frustrated, when things don't happen on our timeline. We want to put ourselves in the, in, as gods of our own life, and God's saying, nope, let my spirit dwell in you. And we know we're walking in the spirit when we're filled with kindness and patience and love. 
And so if any of those things are happening in us, we know that God's just chipping away at us, helping us to be more like him, tested and approved. Verse, the second half of verse four, he says, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And so Paul was able to speak to please God because he was loved by God. You see, once we're loved by God, we're freed to love freely. We don't approach relationships trying to get something out of them. We're not worried about impressing others because we already know who finds us impressive. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that every single one of us is God's masterpiece, perfectly designed for good works, perfectly designed for his will and his plan in our life. And yet I know, church, we all struggle sometimes seeking some sort of gain, some sort of significance, some sort of accomplishment in our work, some sort of approval from someone else to say that, you know what, you're worthy. That's not what God says. God says you're worthy because I made you, because you're my masterpiece. And so he says, I didn't, we didn't speak for your approval. We didn't speak to get anything of you. We spoke because we were approved by God and we spoke to please God to share this perfect love that he had given us. Verse five, he says, we didn't come with words of flattery or greed. He says, God is our witness. He didn't come to get any gain, he came to give. Verses six and seven, he says, we didn't come seeking glory from you. We could have come making demands, but we came gentle, like a nursing mother to her own children. If you've ever been around a nursing mother, it is a tender relationship where a mom literally is giving life to her newborn baby. That baby is dependent upon the mother. It is a selfless, tiresome love. Not that I would know, but I've seen my wife. It is a tiresome, selfless love. And he says, that's how I came to you. That's the type of love I came to you knowing that you needed this love that I had in God. You needed it. And I wanted to give my life to give it to you. Church has, who have been people that have fed that life to you before? Maybe there's someone that invited you to tune in today, that invited you to come to church. Someone that read the scriptures with you. I know there is a reason why you are here hearing God's words and it's because somebody said, I'm gonna pour life into you. And if you've received Jesus Christ, we have that life to offer to others. And who are the people that God wants to send you to right now to pour that love out to? Just like the apostle Paul, real love says, I'm gonna give my life away to others. I'm gonna share this life and this love. Pointing out the obvious here, right? But if we're not walking in the spirit, if we're not seeking after God, if we're not together, we don't have that love to give, but that's why we come today. Verse eight, he says to them in verse eight, he says, so being so affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but our very selves. They gave their life away to the point of it costing them something. Church, in your relationships today, what is your love costing you? Is it costing you your time? Is it costing you your finances? Is it costing you your timeline? Are you surrendering your wants? Paul says, we worked tirelessly among you 
tirelessly, affectionately, because you were so dear. We wanted to give ourselves away to you. Verse 9, he says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We worked night and day, not to be a burden to any of you, while we proclaimed the gospel of God. We know in Acts 18, verse 3, that Paul was a tent maker. And these were unbelievers who didn't know God's love yet. And so he didn't come to them asking them to to pay for him and take care of them. He shared the gospel with them during the day and at night he made tents because he didn't wanna have anything in his life be a burden, that his love was questioned, that it wasn't noble, that it wasn't pure. Church, we're called to, to labor, to give ourselves away. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We're called to toil and labor and love fully others that are in our life, to demonstrate it by our actions. In these last few verses, verse 10, he says, you are witnesses and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless our lives were among you. The apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy Their lives matched the message. They proclaimed this new life, this new hope, and they walked in it, and their lives matched this message. And the the people in Thessalonica saw it, and they turned to God. In verse 11, he says, For you know, like a father with his children, verse 12, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Like a father. A father seeks to protect his family. A father seeks to provide for his family. A father seeks to guide his family. And that's the type of love that Paul had for these people that did not know God. And obviously, going back to verse one, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it took effect. Because he said, we didn't come to you in vain. You've become this church that's sharing the gospel that all those around you we read about in the first chapter are coming to Christ through your lives. But he sought to be a father to them, to protect them, to provide for them the truth, the hope of the gospel. Church, I'm so proud of the stories I'm hearing as one of the pastors here in our church. I'm so proud of this this morning that we're men, we're praying for our time together. Last Thursday, I heard of women that got together and prayed for our church. I know of people that are meeting in groups, discipleship groups, where they're just spending time with one another, seeking to pour their lives into each other. We're starting small groups in this season. It's not too late to join online or in person. We're starting groups where we're spending time with each other, pouring our lives into one another. And I'm so proud to know that we are living these things out. Be encouraged, church. This is the the hope, the mission that God has for us. That he wants to give us this everlasting love and he wants to spread it through us. Church, I wanna ask you, Who has God entrusted to you today? Your children, your spouse, your neighbors, your extended family, your coworkers. 
As I'm saying these things, I want you to be thinking about the faces, thinking about the names. Who are the people that right now that God could use you just to love, just to love genuinely the way that the Apostle Paul loves someone else? You know what? Satan wants us to beat us down and think that we're weird or whatever, or somehow people aren't going to receive the gospel from us, you know, and it's such a lie. If we will just offer ourselves up to God, he wants to use us to share the hope of the gospel with others. And so church, I want to close this time by by asking, are, are we loving others right now with godly motives? We see in the Apostle Paul's life that genuine love is possible. Genuine love, verse one, it goes. Genuine love, verse four, it's been tested. It's been tested. It's, it's those that have received this offering of Jesus Christ, and then he builds us up in character so that we can go out and we can share this love. Verses 7 and 11, it's gentle and it's faithful. It's gentle like a nursing mother or like a father. It's faithful to those around us, not perfectly, but through the gospel, God is always at work doing what we cannot think or imagine to bring about his will. And in verse 12, it calls people to walk in the kingdom. It calls people to walk in the kingdom now and what is to come. As we continue to get into this letter, we're going to see that he's going to remind true believers of this glorious hope that we have, that you have, that I have as Christians of the, gospel, of, of the kingdom that's to come. That one day there's not going to be shame or pain or suffering or brokenness or division or, or jealousy or any of the things that separate us in relationships. But there's going to be no death and no cancer and none of it. So church, this, mess, this letter is a reminder, don't, don't. Let your eyes glaze at the things of the world right now, but let's keep our eyes heavenly. Let's keep our eyes on God's word. And remember that we have this hope to call others to. And he says, he closes this, this letter out and he says, we called you into this life. And what he was calling them into, what he was, what he was charging them to do was he was entrusting them to go out just like he had left. So church, I want to, ask you this morning would you just draw a circle would you draw a circle around the people that God's calling you to this morning today who's on your heart who are those people you want to better love and maybe where's an area where your love hasn't been as genuine and I want to invite us to to get down on our knees, not necessarily physically, although you can do that, to humble ourselves and to be reminded of how much God loves us, to repent and to turn to him, to be reminded that his love is there for us and he wants to flow out of us. And so in a moment, I'm gonna pray right now. And if, and if you've been discouraged, if you felt distant from God, if you felt hopeless, if you've never heard these words of love before, I want to invite you just to receive God's love, to be filled. And then church, I want to challenge us like the Apostle Paul challenged this group of believers. Let us go out and be sent. Let us go. Because there are people that you can touch that, that no one else in this church can, and he wants to send his love out into our city through us. So would you pray with me? 
Jesus Christ, we just thank you so much for this time that we've had to open your word, to read your word, to see how the apostle Paul was changed forever by Jesus Christ and was able to love genuinely, Father. And we pray that you would help us to love in this way. Father, we ask that you would help us to go. Father, that you would help us to remember that we've been approved by you, so we don't need to seek approval from anyone else. God, remind us that we are your masterpiece. And Father, may we be gentle and we be faithful like a father or like a mother. Lord, this morning, if there's anyone that's been discouraged, Father, or that's never heard about this love right now, Father, we come together, them and I, Father, and right wherever they're sitting, Father, we know that you want to meet with them. I just call out to God wherever you are and just say, Lord, draw near to me because I'm drawing near to you. Touch my life. Help me to live a life full of love, full of hope. Father, wherever I'm struggling, help me, Father. Help me to know you. Help me to walk with you. Father, we praise you that right now we know that you are touching lives through this church. You are touching lives through your Holy Spirit. God, we know that you are bringing hope into this city. And Lord, now we ask that you send all of us out in that love. And Father, I, I ask, Father, humbly, God, not that, not that you send us in big ways, God. I know that's how our minds work, God. We think big, but I know, Lord, that you think small. God, I pray that you send us out to do small things this week, to, to, to be a testimony, to be character. Father, I pray that you send us out to, to do the dishes when someone else needs an extra hand. You send us out to listen when we know someone needs to be listened to. Father, that person that's been pesky or difficult in our life, that's hard for us to love. Father, I pray that we take the time to love them, to listen to them, to understand them. God, no one understands us and loves us and listens to us better than you do. God, help us to be like your son, Jesus, and to love others and to put others first the way that you put us first. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, it's you that our hope today and tomorrow and in the future is always in. And we pray all these things together at your church. And we all say amen, amen and amen. Thank you, church. <laughs>